Today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from all around the world. Obviously, we're not able to travel, so this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminium, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery are offering listeners of our podcast 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. That's 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com. That's T-H-E-G-A-L-R-Y.com. So you all will never be boring again. So if you want to help save the planet and have a beautiful looking wall, go to the gallery. G-A-L-R-Y. It's the place to go. Make sure you go there. Like I said, use the code 15OFF to get 15% off your next purchase. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Across the Pond podcast. Joining me today is Isaac Harker. He's a backup quarterback for the Rough Riders in the CFL. Look, it's a great episode. Before we get started though, if you enjoy this episode, go tell a friend. It really helps. And also follow my Instagram at across the underscore pond. We have just hit 400 followers and we are still gaining. So thank you to all the support. Like I said, if you like this podcast, go tell a friend go follow me on Instagram and look, let's get straight into the uh, interview with Isaac. It was a great interview. I enjoyed doing it. Isaac enjoyed doing it. Um, you should enjoy listening to it too. It, it was a great, a, a great episode, great recording. And yeah, let's just get straight into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Across the Pond podcast. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Isaac Carker. Isaac Carker is a current CFL quarterback for the Riders, Rough Riders, if you uh, want to tell the whole long name. Um, Isaac, how are you doing? How's everything going? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks no for having problem, me on the show. Um, so you're a CFL quarterback. You're a backup quarterback at the moment. Um, season's coming up. You played your last year for the Riders. Um, last year you played your first season. How did everything go? How did you, uh, how's the experience? Good. I ended up making the roster as a as a rookie as the third string quarterback, and then due to injuries, I got to play a lot more than usual rookies do. So that went really well, and I played well in my opportunities. So I'm looking forward to just building on it and moving forward so in my career. Talk about your CFL stats. Last season, you had 61 attempts, uh, and you completed 44 passes for 467 yards. How does it feel to go out on the big stage and sort of perform as your first, uh, really your first pro? football stage how did it how did it feel man yeah it's it's a little bit it's it's everything that you've dreamt of and worked your butt off for for your entire career so it's it's like everything's coming together and it's at the beginning it's a little surreal but then you start settling in and realizing like okay it's just football like i've always played but it's just on a massive scale with loud fans so it's it's so you gotta tell me though before we start how are the fans in canada the same as America are they more extreme? Are we talking Buffalo Bills fans? Or are we talking a bit something a bit more tame? How how are they? I'd say the Buffalo Bills fans are pretty fair comparison to Riders okay. fans, but that's not true for every franchise in the CFL. But we've got like rabid fan base that's just huge. So yeah, we've are got they great are fans. they jumping through tables as well or? <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen them crash through any foldable tables, but I wouldn't put it <laughs> yeah, past that's, either. That's Bills tradition that is as well so if you're going to compare them to the bills they've got to be jumping through tables in my opinion it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely extreme. Exactly. No, the, the fan bases 
the fan bases are huge. I mean, when it comes down to the CFLs, it's not the name's not as big as the NFL, but as long as the, the fans have the passion, I've seen there's a lot of passionate fans in the CFL to go out there. You know, it's cold as well. They're going out in cold environments to watch your week in and week out. Must be some passionate fans down there. Oh man, yeah, they're the best, and the, like I said, rain or shine or freezing cold or warm summer day, they're they're always out there ready and they're consistent. So you got to give it 100%. up. For them. So Isaac, you have played. You came out of born in Indiana, right? Lebanon. Oh yeah, Central yeah. Indiana. Okay, so one of those mm-hmm. one of those middle states. You know, you played um, college football for Indiana as well, uh, and then you also played for uh, sorry, Indi- Indiana yeah, Indiana State, State Colorado yep. Mines. Um, you know, f- I mean, let's be honest. Athletics ones for your for your genes. Your mom played uh, basketball at Indiana State as well, uh, and your mm-hmm. sister, yeah. I believe, your younger or older sister, Kaylin, she also plays uh, softball at Southern Illinois. So, how did you sort of get into sports? Was it because it's sort of a family family thing, or was this your own sort of get up and go? Yeah, I mean, my my dad was a great athlete. My mom was a really good athlete as well. So we we're kind of growing up in sports, but. Like, like we've got r- really good access to media and stuff. So seeing like NFL films and stuff is like, man, I want to be out there on the gridiron throwing it around and stuff. So it's just kind of been a really consistent part of my life since like the day you're born because you have siblings who are athletic too. So you're out there playing with them and competing What made too. you choose football then out of every other sport? So you could play baseball, basketball. What made you choose football? Yeah, there's something about football that's like, it's so... um it's very mental game. So you're like meeting a lot and you're game planning, dissecting film. And that really appeals to me and the X's and O's aspect, but also like the NFL films, just like portraying it as like a show on a grand stage was also something that really got me into it. Like in the position of quarterback, I feel like there's nothing like it. It's a unique position to where it's not always brute force, but a lot of finesse too. So uh, yeah, playing quarterback has always been what I want. Quarterback is, probably the most technical, i say the most technical position on the field. You've got to really stand out playing quarterback. So, you know, when you're going into a game, it's not just prepare your body, but it's also prepare your mind, right? Oh, exactly, yep. You're so when you, um, you first started playing in college as well, so we're going into your first college years. Uh, for the first four years, I believe, you played at Indiana State. And um, yep. so in your third year, you threw for 2,559 yards and 19 touchdowns in 2016. How did it feel to have such a successful season? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I'd i been in that offense for a while. I really felt comfortable in it. And me and the offensive coordinator had pretty good um, uh, working relationship and everything. And we had great athletes around too. So it was just like go out there and execute what gets called. So. It it was super fun though too because the Missouri Valley is a really competitive conference. You know, as you well, you sat out in your first year. Was that down to injury? Was it redshirting? Um, redshirting typically, uh, it could be for injury, but true freshmen just need to develop. So that was my case. I was just like 175 pounds, so I needed to put some weight on and get the speed and of the so game. Your second year, you obviously got that weight. You started seeding. You played a little bit in your second year as well. Like I said, however, in your 2016 season was your main standout season but you went into that season and obviously the job is never given to you in football right you had to compete for that job you Mm -hmm. had a quarterback battle in training camp and you came out on top you came out as a starting quarterback how did it feel to get that job how tough it's how tough is it to go into that quarterback battle and come out on 
Yeah, and in college, it'll be every year that someone's coming in to take your job or they're recruiting people all the time to try and get the best athlete on the field. So you always got to be on your A game and everything. But to win the quarterback battle is just like validation of the work that you've put in and the process that you've been using. What is it that you need to – when you go into these quarterback battles, what do the coaches look at to really make you stand apart? What do you have to show on the field at training camp that the other person – doesn't have as much of what what stands out to the coaches yeah i'm i don't have much experience with like coaching other players but in my mind what you need to show is that you've got the the game plan down the playbook you've got the the intellect to understand and get get us in the right plays or to get everybody aligned but also at the same time when you're on the field you got to be able to make every throw and then you've got to have good decision making and being able to read and recognize things that the defense is doing. I think those are the you biggest. Feel things. a sense of pressure when you're going out there and competing for the job. Um, yeah, it's I, like like I, I've said this before, but I like games better. I feel like there's no pressure in games, but practices practices are a little harder for me just because things get scripted and you need to. It, it's it's just different, and I there is a lot of pressure in quarterback battles. But the thing you have to make sure you don't do is uh, look at what other people are doing because that'll just that's just wasting time and energy into something that you can't even control. But you can control what you do when you're out there. So that's a, it's it's hard to let go of. But I think a lot of quarterbacks struggle with that as well. Just being able to remove yourself from the battle and just make it an inward battle with yourself. Well, it, when you come down to the games and you say you feel like games are easier to play, how about training games how about going out there with your teammates and having a assimilated game really how did that feel a lot better or is it still the idea that you're in training you're not really out there competing to win each game yeah it's and the same as just like it's such a controlled environment and you don't get a week of preparation to understand the defense and read and recognize. I mean, you've been playing against them all training camp, but for me, the the process of preparation for a game makes the game a lot easier because you've seen everything they're going to do and you have a plan for it. But in, in that, it's just like you're just kind of running plays best on best. Yeah, no, exactly. So when you went in today, obviously, you your connection cut out a little bit while you was talking, but you're saying that um, you, you, prefer, you prefer the actual game. Even if it's in training, oh yeah. Even if it's in training, when it comes down to training, it's not as not the same because you don't um, get time to prepare, right? Yeah, and I'm like, I don't want to make it seem like I don't love practice because I do. I love everything about practice, and like, I love practicing. But for me, games are just easier, and it flows a little easier. And I just let it come to me more than practice, where it seems like you're trying to like really focus on things to take away and understand in preparation moving forward. But games is just like, hey, we've already prepared, so you're just going out and doing what you do. So it's more like locking into actually what you've got to do and not worrying about everything else around it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So obviously when you was playing at Indiana, you obviously you won that starting job. You went into your um, fourth year, and then after that, you took your talent to the Colorado Mines, okay? Um, and you had arguably the best season of your college career, if you look at the stats. So I would say so. Would you say so yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, what made you move? What prompted that move from Indiana to Colorado? Why did you choose to leave? And what actually stood out about Colorado to you? What made you go there? Yeah, when I was starting at Indiana State, there was a 
uh, a graduate assistant who was working with the offense named Ryan Diedrich, and he ended up moving to Colorado School of Mines to coach the wide receivers there. And I was really close to him, so we kept in touch, and he was talking about how amazing the school was and how it was really academic-focused and how the athletes were really good and the offense was wide open and everything. And I was like, God, that sounds great. So then after the fourth year kind of went awry with a coaching staff change and we didn't win a game and I didn't really play that much. So I just figured it was time to, to move on. And that was my number one choice. And thankfully it, it was able to work out. So it was it, the, two, the two schools are in different divisions. Obviously you had Indiana in division one FCS. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And then you had Colorado in uh, division two. What's the difference between division one teams and division two teams from what you felt in that one year playing at Colorado? Yeah, I I would say maybe the the number one difference is size, but the talent level is still there in Division Two for sure. It's just guys who maybe weren't recruited because of this, that, or the other, and they get a chance to play um, football, which is what they love. And I'd say the talent level is just just as stacked. It's just kind of different circumstances, a little a little faster, a little bigger at the Division One level. Yeah, no. When I every time you think about Division Two, obviously the number two gives it the reference that it's the lower, the lower leagues, the lower, the lower teams, but like, like you said, the, the players are out there e- equally competing for each other. And you, you went out there, you competed, and you know your like I said your year was amazing. Uh, you and the squad blew up that year. You helped lead the team to be um, number one rated offense in uh, the whole of Division Two. Uh, you had five hundred and fifty six point eight yards per game. Um, how did that feel? Also, you actually you were, you were ranked in touchdown passes first as well. How did it feel to sort of take your team to such a high level in the division and a high level for you? I, when I initially went in, I was a little worried about guy, guys taking me in just because I was a graduate transfer and they've gone through so much together at, at the undergrad level and everything. But the the senior leadership there who were able to take me in and really I've got a lot of best friends from that time and we we stay in touch and see each other still so that was like my biggest thing was I was really thankful for them and then the offense I was just able to have complete control over what was going on if I didn't like a look I could change it I had free reign to audible if I saw something and we had great guys like Brody Oliver and Cam Mayberry who just once you make the decision if you get us in the right play they do the rest of the work so that's that's really nice to have is this something that you feel like inside you might have clicked being in the minds I mean like was it something that you know, you sometimes have that feeling that everything's meant to be. Did you sort of have that feeling when you went into the team or did it just sort of, as you played, it just seemed to get better and better and better? Yeah, definitely. Like from the moment I stepped on campus, I was like, I'm I'm definitely supposed to be here and everything worked out for a reason and this is where I'm meant to be. So I went, went all in for sure. You got to tell me though, obviously Colorado is one of the uh, highest points in the US. You know, you talk about um, mile high uh, up there, for the Denver Broncos, you know, and everyone talks about the altitude being an issue. Was it an issue for you or was you a bit, you know, was it, was it okay for you? How was it? Um, I wouldn't say it was an issue, but it's definitely, it's a definite adjustment. Like I, whenever I initially went over, I was like all this talk about mile high and the air's thinner. I'm like, that's a load of garbage. Like, I don't think it'll make a difference, but then you start training and you're like, just huffing and puffing. <laughs> you're like, oh man, it is different. It takes a couple weeks for you to get the conditioning that you need at that level i'd say so it's just a matter of working through it do you think that might have helped you get the advantage over some teams because obviously you're preparing week in week out in that environment and there's other teams that are coming at coming down and just playing 
60, uh, 60 minutes of football down there. So do you think that helps you get the edge? Uh, in certain circumstances, I'd say it's a it's a bit of an advantage, but a lot of the teams are from this, roughly the same area, so they've okay. been practicing and playing in that altitude. But like when a team comes up from Texas where it's super hot, and then they go up to Colorado where it's thirty <laughs> degrees and a mile high, it's yeah, it's definitely an adjustment they have to kind of work into. Well, that's what you talk about home field advantage anyway, right? So you have the fans, and also you've got the you've got the high altitudes as well. Exactly. <laughs> so when you left. Colorado I mean you, you made a decision you went undrafted did you have any experience in the uh, NFL draft or was it just something for you that you didn't really focus your mind on I was going to be done with football after the season so I kind of like let myself go a little bit and I got down to 173 pounds and then in December I got a call from a training group who was like hey would you want to train with us because my buddy Brody was getting he was doing his draft prep there and so I said, yeah, sure. And then I ended up getting up to 193 and training and doing well. And then I got a mini camp opportunity with the Rough Riders. I said, yes, I took it. And then there was nine other quarterbacks at that mini camp. And they said, we'll take one of you guys to training camp. So you got to beat out eight other guys. And then um, I ended up playing really well in those two days. I got a call and a contract offer. He's like, you want to take the contract offer now or see where you would go in the NFL. Like I knew I'd go undrafted, but I thought I'd get a mini camp offer in the NFL, but I was 100% committed to the CFL. So I just told him right then and there, I'm like, I'll, I'll sign right now. Like, I just want to be a part of the franchise. Well, that's interesting. You, you almost was finished with football. You, you know, was it just something that didn't interest you or did you just not feel like it wasn't a long-term thing? Why, why was you almost finished with it? Yeah, I just didn't have any, um, my name wasn't really out there. So I didn't think that it was going to be like even a shot in the dark to try it. And then once I got hooked up with that training group, he kind of convinced me that like, there's a chance you just need to get an agent and get your name out there and show up to these things and we'll get you ready and everything. And I was like, well, if there's a, if there's even a smidgen of a chance, I want to do it. Cause that's been my, my dream for my whole life is to play pro ball. So you never actually wanted to go. It's just a feeling that you wasn't going to get anywhere with it yeah yeah so obviously you did join the riders and it's interesting to know you also went through another quarterback battle did you sort of have the same mentality going into that like hey i've already done this once before this is going to be a piece of cake or did you how did you feel going into that gap? obviously one person being picked you've got to be the best out of all nine yeah and I, at that point i was like well it's a small chance and these guys are all pretty good too. So I'm just letting it fly. I was just like, I'm just going to gunsling the entire time and make a decision and stick with it. Cause if you are wishy-washy at quarterback or if you lack conviction in your read and stuff that affects you. So I was just like, whatever, whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to sling it. Well, they really judging you on at that point. Obviously you don't know a system. They're not really giving you a system in front of you. Is it just how well you can throw decision-making? How is it? Yeah. And, um, we didn't get wristbands for the thing, so they would hold the play above the quarterback's head to where the quarterback couldn't see it, and then they'd give you the play. So it'd be like Tango took quads right, whack, 765, Z wide cutter, W Robin return, X OKS burst. Mm -hmm. And then you'd be like, okay. And then you have to say, okay, uh, Tango to quads right. Yeah, you just got to like be able to go through it. And a lot of guys struggled with it, but the training group I had, we learned the West Coast offense and like – prepared for being able to spit out plays and stuff so that was something I was really strong at it was an advantage for me 
that's yeah that's honestly that's the toughest part of football for me obviously I'm from the UK and when I first started understanding football and I started hearing the plays being called by the quarterback oh my god they're so complex on each word to another you mean did you did I, I mean in high school it's not it's not the same brand of play calling right no it's like strong right 44 belly like right, just that, that's really how easy I stuff. that's how i learned it as well mm-hmm. and then yeah. so you get into college is it sort of get a bit more technical there um some of this depending on the system so like when i first came in the spread offense it was more like ace open climb and then that kind of implies a protection quarterback has to go okay well i know ace open climb that's 62 mic 45 mic 45 but that's kind of rare still to be able to have to set your own mics so then the next group came in and then the plays were longer and more pro style and that was the year i left and then i went over to mines and it was back to spread offense so it was basically like dice right zebra right just real quick because it's getting signaled in uh you know it's, it's crazy to me how how you hear that, you obviously hear it in one ear, and next minute you've got to tell everyone it, and you've not get, got to get a single thing like wrong, really. I mean, everyone's <laughs> counting on you to say it, and it's not even like they follow a good system. It's just, like you said, it seems to be like random words thrown at you. I mean, how do you sort of, do you sit there in your room and, you know, like read it out each each single play? Because there's loads of plays, right? How do, yeah, you, how do you sort of deal with it, man? So the CFL, you'll get like 95 a week, but we carry right now 86 one-word plays from week to week. So that's 86 unique plays that you can call with one word. So like Mark Twain or whatever, what have you. But then you'll carry probably 40 unique plays each week that you have to learn for that week. And my process is I'll look at the words, study the words, and then look at the picture, study the picture, I'll draw the play, write the words next to it, draw the play, write the words next to it. Once I've kind of got a semblance of it in my mind, then uh, once I take it home, like after practice and you get home from the facility, I'll visualize the play. So like I'll read it out, I'll say it out loud, and then like close my eyes and picture where everybody's at and picture a defense and then going through the progression. And I do that kind of, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say is that when you – join the riders on there. It's like you're adjusting to the new system, country and brand of football, right? Mm-hmm, it's it's exactly. all going to be different. So how did you, like so you was explaining there, but how did you sort of set it in with that? I mean, how different was that? It was so hard because I spent all my money on the training because like my agents weren't able to pay for my training. So I paid for it out of pocket. So I've got like $20 in my bank account and then you're up there and you don't get paid for two weeks. So, you're just like, hey, mom and dad, send me some money. I need to eat. I need to eat the night or whatever. So, but it's always good to have veterans who are willing to take the rookies under their like wing. So I had Zach Caleros and David Watford and Cody Pajardo, and they all kind of helped me along and everything and learned the game and stuff. But it's yeah, it's lonely. You're away from your family. It's a tough environment, really competitive and stressful. But then, like, like I said, you don't have any money either. <laughs> for the first two weeks how can they do that is that the same with every single like the nfl do they not pay for two weeks or is it just the way the payment works um i know if you're a veteran you get paid during training camp but rookies don't get paid during training camp okay but like in the nfl you usually get a signing bonus before you head off to camp and stuff so that helps but like it's just a matter of making it through and making the team and then you start getting paid got you so your first and use 
sort of like college, right? When you go, when college football players, obviously they're not getting paid either. And other mm-hmm. than your scholarship, I mean, you really, you really need to look for sources outside as well. Going back to college, how did you sort of deal with that? I mean, the, a big topic right now is college players not getting paid um, for what they're doing. And as a personal opinion, I feel like college players should be paid or should be rewarded in some way for what they do. Because obviously the amount of money they bring in. What's your opinion on the whole situation with the NCAA and players not getting paid? And how did you find it as a player not getting money? Did you feel like you sort of was disrespected, pulled down the peg? How, how was it? Um, I think it kind of depends from person to person. I've kind of been wishy-washy on it, but like for me, because I grew up like middle class or whatever, so your parents can send you money. And like if you're on scholarship, which I was a walk-on at first and then earned a scholarship, once you're on scholarship, you get a stipend, which pays for your rent. And then whatever's left over, you you have like it's your money. So personally, I was able to like survive on that and I was doing fine and I was like loving it. It's like, Hey, you get $700 a month. That's awesome. But then like other guys, they come from not great areas or impoverished areas. So it's hard for them not to make money because they're sending some of their stipend home to keep the electricity on at their house and stuff. So it's just like, it's a really, it's a tragedy in some cases, but then in other cases it's like, Hey, this is, this is your next step for whatever you're doing. So I don't know. Yeah. You're getting a free tuition too. So. It's, it's definitely one of those subjects where it's a bit, like you said, wishy-washy. What about the star players, such as you think about Trevor Lawrence, uh, Joe Burrows, who just come out of college as well? Um, those players, do you think they should be getting money or do you think it should be all around board fix? You know, it's, there's no exception for someone who, obviously a big player like Trevor Lawrence, big name. You know, yeah, how, do you think and... it should be fixed? Man, I haven't really thought too deep on it, but maybe like they should get their jersey sales or something and then everybody else gets the flat rate. So I guess it I guess it could be a case by case basis with a flat. So like best of both worlds, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely a wishy washy scenario though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like I haven't given it too much thought, but there's a lot of issues if you're only paying certain guys and then it sows discord between the team and then you got issues. So yeah, well anyway, moving back onto the CFO, drag back it onto the NCAA. Um you're currently backup quarterback under uh, Cody Cody Fajardo. Is that how you pronounce the yeah. second name, Fajardo? Yeah, Fajardo. But well, he says it's Fajardo, but he says people mess it up so much, so he just goes by <laughs> Fajardo. <laughs> I, I mess it up as well. What is that Spanish? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I think he told me, and I just I didn't listen hard enough or something. <laughs> <laughs> just one of those things that goes in and out. <laughs> yeah, you're like looking at plays, and then he says it, and you're like. Oh, <laughs> what did I you say? Actually, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so between you two, you know, have you been in a quarterback quarterback battle between? Obviously, you you mentioned to me. I've got to tell everyone that uh, you have your own podcast with Cody as well. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. you two are quite good friends. Yeah, we're he's my best friend on the team, so we're pretty close. So being your best friend on the team, but also at the same time, he is your competitor. When you look at quarterbacks, you obviously want to be the starting quarterback. He wants to be the starting quarterback. Do you have mm-hmm. it in you to battle your friend for that starting starting quarterback position? Oh yeah, I mean we love to compete. We'll compete in Madden. We'll compete in checkers. Anything. <laughs> so it's like it's known that like we're gonna help each other reach our both of our full potentials, and then that's gonna be the best thing for the team. And then whatever happens after that is, I, I like we. I think we do a great job of really competing and getting the best out of each other. Yeah. So we say. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just get the best out of each other without any ill will or intentions or anything like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult with, you, with it being one of your, like you say, best friend on the team um, mm-hmm. and you've got to go and compete. So is your goal ultimately to be the quarterback for the riders? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, mm-hmm. you've got to tell me really quickly, though. Who is better at Madden, you or Cody? Uh, he owns the overall record in wins and losses, but I'm going to say I'm better. Oh, okay, okay. What teams do you pick in? You got set teams, or do you sort of just mix it up week, uh, every single game? Uh, we, we usually randoms, but if I get to choose, I'll choose the Saints every time. Oh, okay. What about Cody? Is he uh, has he got a particular team or? Um, he kind of he's kind of wishy washy too. He likes using the Ravens sometimes. Oh, okay, sometimes you mean just on the current Madden, not not any. Yeah, not, <laughs> not the not he's the only, Kyle Bowler. Yeah, he's only using Ravens. it for Lamar Jackson, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Oh, that's that. That's the abuse the X Factor mode. Right? Are you looking forward <laughs> to the new Madden coming out? I haven't bought in a Madden game in a long time, oh. but also I don't have a system besides the Switch, so it's just I don't have a system to play it on. But I'll like whenever I go over there, we play and we play the the TKO mode. The uh, TKL. Mm-hmm. Is that the um? Take uh, what's what's that one now? TKL is the uh, is it the one where you get to sort of play online with like three people or something? Um, you play online and it's one versus the other, but you get to choose like legendary players, and then yeah. it's like limited playbooks, and you get one drive. Yeah, well, and then they get one drive. Dot yeah. City. Um, you, yeah, exactly. Is, yeah, I used to play that game mode a little bit. I was I was alright at that game mode. So, what you can play that on? Um, you can play that with two on the same console, right? Can you? Um, we well, he would take he would do offense, I would do defense because oh, I was okay. pretty good on defense and he was better on offense, so we just kind of used each other's strengths. Got you. So, we, I mean, is that you, you got asked me though, is that is that an unfair advantage when you go into these games? I mean, you two are professional quarterbacks, <laughs> do you, do you <laughs> feel like you get the better hand of people, or do you think you'd think so, but. At the same time, it's like, okay, it's cover two. I'm going to hit this dig right here. You throw it, and then the linebacker just glitch picks it, and you're like, okay, well, so I guess I'm trash. <laughs> from, from a professional quarterback yourself, you can tell me that it's, it might and isn't realistic, right? It's realistic to a degree, but mm-hmm. it, like, I have a harder time playing Madden than I do playing pro football. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, currently, you're, um, like I said, you're playing with the Rough Riders. And when you're not one of the Rough Riders, you're playing with the Saints, but we'll leave that. Um, you won your <laughs> first game. Uh, is this your first game starting? You won against Edmonton, am I correct? Yep, that's right. How did it feel to go in on the big stage at a pro level? How did it feel to go and win? Talk me through a little bit about the day, you know, obviously from when you woke up. How how was it thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to go start today? Yeah, I mean, I I slept like a baby the night before, went and got um, my breakfast and everything, went to the facility early, did all my traditions of walking the field and visualizing plays and stuff, and then game time comes and you hear your name called up and then you hear the fans go, ah, and it's just like crazy, it gives you chills. And then the game starts and you're a little like, you're like shaking because of the adrenaline and then you complete one pass and then you're just locked and it's just locked in for the rest of the game. So you don't... Do you feel the fans around you? I mean, um, the Riders Stadium, it's, it's not a small stadium. I can, it's, it's a big stadium. Your attendance is good as well. How, you know, do you sort of lock into the game or do you still feel the fans around you? Do you still feel that energy? Do you still feel the cameras around you? How is it? 
Oh yeah, the atmosphere is like palpable. You can feel it when you're walking out on the field, when you complete a pass, when you guys go to when you go to and out, you can feel it deflate a little bit. So it's like you can feel the energy rise and fall and everything. So when you won that, you you know you've won. You've won your first starting game. You go into the locker room. How is it? How is the energy between everyone? How do you feel? Well, that was the game we clinched the West Division. So we won the West Division with that game. So when we got back in the locker room, there was just like coolers full of beer and we were celebrating and it was amazing and like i hadn't eaten anything except for like a small breakfast and oh, it no. was like seven o'clock so the linemen all the vet linemen are like feeding you beer and stuff and you're like <laughs> have two beers on an empty stomach and you're like oh man oh, no. <laughs> now i gotta go do press <laughs> i can feel that so so you had many beers on a very empty stomach as well mm-hmm. yeah and, but it, it was an oh. absolute blast like just so much fun in the locker room after you know it's, it, the energy is obviously the energy in the locker room is is different to any sort of place you, you you're close all year round you're fighting with these people bleeding with these people in some occasions and you've clinched you've clinched the west i mean like you said you went you went to the media how did that how did it feel to sort of address the media for really for the first time as as a starting quarterback in the cfl how is it are, are they are they tough? Are they? Do they try and get things out of you, or do you? Was you just too caught up in the moment, man? Um, well, we having just won the West, everybody was ecstatic, so they were just flipping me softball questions, and <laughs> I was just I was smiling ear to ear. I couldn't. I I was like, stop smiling, stop like to myself, but I I couldn't. There was no way. So I was really happy. So you wasn't getting any hardball. It was just all very easy, nice questions, right? Mm-hmm. yeah how is how is the media really when you talk about the professional level is it are they tough or i mean because you think about notorious to the media you think bill belichick you sort of really the patriots organization you know they, they close off media they they don't want anything to do with it are they does the media have an effect on the team do the team sort of listen to it how is it sort of the between the media and the, team yeah the team definitely pays attention to it and stuff and I'd say the working relationship is like media is kind of you get what you you put into it. So if you are giving them, if you're really closed off and being rude to them, you're going to get hard questions and you're going to get razzed a little bit. But if you're just open and honest, then they're just going to give you questions that they feel will the fans will be interested in it and everything. So it's kind of like a give and take. So one thing you've got to answer me though is, do you ever get it in the locker room where maybe? a TV show will be playing and the presenter might be trashing one of your players or trashing the performance from last week, last week. Do you ever get that? And if so, sort of, how does it feel? Does it make players annoyed? Do players react to it in the locker rooms or is it something that isn't really shown to the players? Do they not have it being played? How is it? Do you get any of that? I've, I've got one memory. It's kind of in the opposite direction, but there TSN was putting on like the best um, defensive ends or something like that in Charleston and but yeah like w- the guys are just watching uh TSN and both the guys are on the list and everyone's like ooh Charleston number 1 on the DN's list and he's like dancing in the locker room and stuff so it's pretty it was it was a lot of fun it was funny so it is something that players you actually obviously you haven't you wouldn't say you had that experience yourself where it's negative but it is something that the players see the players react and ultimately the players feel yeah, I mean, I know some guys who will read every single piece of information that gets put out on them personally and then get offended and stuff like that. But it's like, it's kind of like I said again, like if you put a lot of energy into it, it could be exhausting. So I just, I don't check it at yeah, all. Yeah, that's the, yeah, definitely. You think about 
the amount of people that could comment, you know, tweet or whatever you want, like on your post after a game, you you know, you might, if you had a bad performance and I've got a funny story for you. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So we're playing the banjo bowl against Winnipeg. We just beat them in the Labor Day classic the week before. Okay. And they're absolutely waxing us. They're just waxing us. And so I got to play in the last drive because we were getting killed. So I'm warming up on the sidelines and the guys shouting at me. They're the fans are absolutely brutal. <laughs> they're just like, if Fajardo can't get a first down, what makes you think you're gonna complete a pass? And then there's guys talking about how I'm so skinny, it looks like I'm out of the cancer ward and stuff like that. And you're just like, Man, these guys are brutal. <laughs> but anyway, so <laughs> I take us down inside the five. We get three cracks at it. I complete one pass incomplete another pass and then we call a run play and it kind of gets like stuffed just swallowed up and it's three three downs at cfl isn't it yeah so we went for it on the third down and didn't get it and then when i got to the bus i had a tweet that basically said harker you get three chances from inside the five and you can't score you're absolutely garbage please kill yourself (laughs) wow I was in tears laughing on the bus at this tweet that somebody sent to me. I think it's because I probably ruined his over-under or something for the <laughs> amount of points, but it was just so funny. No, that's – I mean, that's what I mean. Fans are – fans can be brutal. Like like you said, they can be relentless at times. you got to think about it. At the end of the day, you're opening that You're opening that message. You're reading what people say. And it's, it, it seems like they think you're just some sort of – sort of character like you know you're made to sort of play and that's it and they don't really understand it there is someone behind the phone there is you know there's someone that's there obviously you took it in good heart but (laughs) yeah i mean i don't think they realize it's an actual human being that they're like saying that to who like could like you you could take that completely the wrong way or just let it roll off your back it just depends on who you are i guess is there some sort of regulations within the team like you can't respond to tweets comments or they just go as long as it's not going to get you in trouble, you know, ruffle any feathers. Is it is it okay or is it sort of, sort of are you yeah, told don't, they do basically, this, don't do that? They basically say, like, just be smart, don't do anything that will cause us to have to talk to you about it. So people are pretty good about it. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's one of those things where it's social media is so wide and broad, like, it really anything can happen in social media. It's, it's definitely mm-hmm. one of those things, yeah. Um, but no, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you had the audacity to tweet that out. You, <laughs> that's, that's pretty incredible. Did oh, you... absolute favorite tweet of all time. So funny. Well, you never know. You might be getting some better ones in the future. <laughs> you never know. How about hopefully some nice, some yeah, nicer say, ones about, that say like, you... "Hey, come over to dinner." <laughs> how about when you won? How about when you when you won that game as you started? Well, did you get any good tweets then? Were people praising you then? Did you feel it? Oh yeah, when whenever I played and played well, people would always send me messages like, "Hey, you're you're looking good. Like you could be the future of the franchise. Keep grinding." And like, dude, I'm such a big fan of you. I got your jersey and stuff. So there is so much positivity, especially within our fan group. So that was just like a one-off. I don't even think it was from one of our fans. I think it was just a sports fan who maybe lost <laughs> an over/under because of me. But our fans are really nice. Yeah. See, you talk about the future anyway. We'll go into something that is our the present now and is currently the future as well. And we're talking about the whole coronavirus issue. I mean, no one really knows where it's going. Um, you made a comment on it, I believe, uh, on a news station as well. You just talk to me now as a, as a CFL player. Ideally, what would you want the CFL to do when it comes in terms of the season, how they prepare? Is it, 
Is there anything that you look at as a player to sort of go, yeah, this is how I would want the season to roll. This is how I would want or, or not actually or not want the season to go ahead. What is it sort of from your perspective as a player? I mean, aside from the virus, obviously I'd want to play. I just want to make sure everybody's safe. So I don't I don't know enough about everything. So I'm kind of leaving it to the experts to decide what's be- what's the best for everyone. But like I'm just dying to play because it's what I love to do. Like and you're just kind of at home training right now and preparing yourself and you're preparing yourself and it's a longer off season. So that's been a little brutal, but I'm just, I'm trying to stay positive and not really think about it because I I don't affect whether we go or not. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What are you doing to sort of stay ahead of the game? How are you training? How you, what, what is your sort of day to day regimen? Yeah. So Monday through Friday, I got a checklist for myself. It, the the day depends on the lift so like monday's heavy upper tuesday's heavy lower wednesday's um explosive and conditioning and stuff like that but those five days i'll lift condition I'll, I'll watch an hour of film i'll go through all of our one word plays and then i'll have a visualization session usually with my little sister i gave her like a script to go on so she'll be like two back right hash blah 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 and then i'll I'll visualize it, go through my drop, finish my progression. So I think that's one thing. I do that about 45 minutes a day, and I think that's huge. Um, what about throwing? Are you? Do you have anyone sort of practice your throwing technique? Do you have anyone who's out there catching, or is that something that you, you're not really getting to work on? Yeah, so I'll, I'll throw with – my little brother's a really great athlete, so I'll throw to him when I can't get anybody else. But uh, Jordan Williams Lambert's on the team, and he lives in Indy, so we'll meet yeah. up like usually three times a week and throw. So is your brother playing football as well, or is your brother into other sports? Yeah, he's playing football right now, but he's a he's a baseball guy. So he's okay. off and actually he's in Milwaukee right now playing in a showcase, and he'll be on ESPN two or something. Uh huh. Like yeah. It. So it'll be it's on this weekend, so he's pretty excited. So like we said, athletic sports ones in your bud, right, brother as well. Oh yeah, he's the he's the best athlete in the family, I think. So is he is he in college baseball now then? Or is he coming out of high school? Um, he's going to his senior year of high school, but he's been committed to Cincinnati for baseball since eighth grade. Since eighth grade? Yeah. Whoa. That's he's impressive. Insane, yeah. that, that is impressive. That, yeah. I, 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 as a, do they do that in football as well as much in college, committing people in, in eighth grade? or? Yeah, I've, I never really had a heavy recruiting cycle. But, yeah, kids are getting recruited at such a young age for all sports. And like I said, my my little sister plays volleyball in college. My older sister played softball. Like, yeah, we just, I've got some athletic siblings that have tilted me from time to time. (laughs) (laughs) So you got to answer me. What does the future hold for you in football? Do you have any goals and ambitions uh, in for your career? Oh yeah, I wanna I wanna be a full time starter and I wanna win some Grey Cups. Those are my goals. Okay. So is your is your career in the CFL or do are you looking to go to the NFL or do you think? CFL is home, Canada. CFL is home for me, yeah. Okay. I, I'm thinking my whole career will be in the CFL. Nice, nice. So, before we end, okay, I've got some quick fire questions for you. So, I don't need any hesitations. I don't want any explanations. I need you to answer these questions. If you're okay with that? Yeah, it's so funny. We do a two-minute drill on my podcast. the same thing. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm yeah, ready you ready? Roll. Okay. So, Cola or Pepsi? Pepsi. Xbox or PS4? Or Switch? Switch, for sure. <laughs> Indiana or Colorado? Colorado. The NFC or the AFC? 
NFC. Country music or hip hop? Hip hop. Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. iPhone or Android? iPhone. CFL or the NFL? CFL. Chicken wings or steak? Steak. KFC or McDonald's? KFC. Ooh, KFC. Ooh, oh. That was a panic. That was a panic. <laughs> I don't eat there as much as McDonald's, I think. Ooh. But, man, the famous bulls are fire. Nah, here's, here's what we've got to have a quick discussion about, okay? I went to the U.S. I've been to the U.S. one time. One time. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you now from the bottom of my heart, okay, this is the deepest truth. The KFC in the U.K. is 100 times better than what I experienced <laughs> in the U.S., and Do you I, call McDonald's Maccas in the UK? We call, or is that an Australian thing? No, we don't call it. We call it Mackies. 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 Okay. Mackies or people call it like Mackie D's or something like that. You might you, uh-huh. you might be getting it right. It's just a pronunciation. We say Mackies, but I've never heard anyone say Maccas. No, no, no. Yeah, I've got a really close friend in Australia that I met oh, when okay. I was in Colorado. He said Maccas <laughs> every time. It was funny. Yeah, I, Australians, Australians are different. Australians are completely different. <laughs> they, they are. They have their own unique ways as well. Yeah, but I'll KFC. I'll tell you now. Yeah, I went over. I went over to Boston. I stayed in Boston for a week. Watched the Patriots play my favorite team. Um, oh hell yeah! Yeah, and we we had some KFC in Boston, and oh, hey, you can get like <laughs> you can get like a hundred hundred pieces of popcorn chicken, right? Something crazy like that. <laughs> And half That's of it America was, for you, man. Yeah, half me. of it was just batter. Like there was no chicken in it. It was just batter. Like <laughs> I don't know if it's just the one we went to, or or what. No, that's pretty universal, or not universal, but uh, national the the U.S. <laughs> and then we went to McDonald's, and there was a homeless guy trying to talk to us as well. So that was a good experience. But the Ma- McDonald's is just like so consistent. I feel like you always know what you're going to get. No, surprisingly, surprisingly, it was it was a shock to me that number one, the sizes are different way different mm-hmm. the sizes are like five times as big like a large cola i mean actually a small cola in the u.s is honestly the same size as our mediums or large like <laughs> it's it's ridiculous yeah but the, when it comes down to the food the taste it's there it's there like it's the same but uh, but the sizes are and also you get refillable drinks right yeah yeah we mm-hmm. don't have that no as they, much as you can drink yeah they just said to me <laughs> They was like, what drink do you want? And I was like, large cola. And she was like, no, just what size? And I was like, what do you mean what size? Like, <laughs> I want a drink with it. And she was like, large, small. And I was like, large? She was like, sure. I was like, I was, Man, I was you just got a bucket shocked. to fill up with soda. Hey, I was shocked. I just kept going back, drink after drink after drink, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, Isaac, before we get finished, I'd like to ask this to everyone. Um, do you have any words of inspiration, motivation that you carry around in your life like why you've learned from playing by any sort of coach athlete friend or just something you've read yourself you know is any sort of words of inspiration or motivation you sort of carry with you so would you like to share it with us yeah um so if you like dedicate yourself and just put everything you have into what you're doing my the senior quarterback at indiana state said this to me the cream always rises to the top so it's just a matter of putting in the work and making sure you dedicate yourself to your craft and then like the best is going to happen for you that's awesome man hey isaac i really appreciate you coming on the podcast got an awesome story and i hope for the best in the cfl hopefully one day you can beat cody at madden (laughs) and you'll be up there as well my man I appreciate that, man. No worries. Hey, and when you're winning or losing, I'll I'll send you a few tweets. 
And if you ruin, hey. if you ruin my bet, <laughs> yeah, it's over for you. You're the man. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Um, All right. Before we go, sorry, before we go, actually, yeah, yeah. you have your own podcast, like you mentioned. Would you like to shout out your social medias and the podcast with Cody as well? Oh, sure, yeah. So it's called The Rouge Report, and it's a Rough Riders podcast. So if you need your CFL fix, we'll be, we do that every week on Tuesday. And then your social media handles where people can find you are? Yeah, just on Twitter at Isaac Harker 05. And yeah, you got Instagram as well, or? Uh, yeah, I underscore Hark 16. Perfect, man. So, like I said, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And, um, oh, this was fun. All the best, man. All the best. Thank you. Yeah, same for you. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. What an awesome recording with Isaac. I really appreciate him coming on the show, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Hey, if you want to go follow me on Instagram, please do, at across the underscore pond. Keep updated with all podcast updates and NFL updates as well. So if you want to go follow me over there, if you enjoyed this, please make sure you um, subscribe on whatever you're using. Subscribe to the podcast. Go tell a friend. Tell them you enjoyed it and help spread the word uh, we'll be getting on more guests like I say every single week we get on more guests we'll be doing weekly episodes so make sure you don't miss out hey like I said if you enjoyed this please tell someone please subscribe please go to my Instagram everything helps but without further ado I'll see you next episode <laughs>